Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Welcome to everybody, especially those of you who are visiting and are new. Uh, It is such a privilege to have you here. My name is Alex. I'm one of the leaders around here. And uh, every September, we take the whole month or sometimes several months to focus in on one or a few of our core values. Um, We have 10 core values that essentially animate and give character to our church. What is the church about? We have 10 core values. You can find them in little envelopes uh, or in individual cards out there in the lobby afterwards uh, if you want to know more about Saints Hill. Now, as I was thinking about this year's vision series, and I was thinking about, God, you know, what what, uh, value do you want us to place a focus on this year? Um, in the year of, you know, 2021 into 2022. This is actually our, we're going into our fourth year as a church. Um, what, what, do you, what should we focus on? And I had the sense that we needed to put some attention on our 10th core value, which is this. We have the privilege of leaving a legacy of heaven for the next generation to inherit. <laughs> and I didn't know that we we're doing uh, child dedications today. So that's just, that's the Lord right there. Now, Uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about, this is kind of a part two message, if you will. Last week, we talked about how the way that we live lives that are worth inheriting uh, is by living lives that are full of his voice. If you're going to live a life of weight, a life that matters, you need his voice. Jesus taught in the parable of the sower. The sower goes around and he scatters his seed, and the seed represents words of the kingdom or or a gospel message. As he scatters his seed, uh, some falls on the path, and some falls in the rocky soil, and some falls where there's uh, weeds that grow up and, and choke out the plants. And we basically said, if that seed, what we discovered is if that seed were to fall into a receptive heart, if it were to fall into a mind that would believe the things of the kingdom, it could produce a million forests of the kingdom in your life. In the parable, it says that people who receive the word of God, they they produce 30 times, 60 times, even 100 times what was sown in that simple word or that simple moment of encounter with God. Now, what you're stepping into If you're wondering, like, what is St. Hill about? You're new-ish to the church. What you are stepping into here at St. Hill is an inheriting of a culture and a legacy of people and families who paid the price to worship when things were falling apart, to surrender and seek the presence of God above all other issues, to give that sacrifice of praise when everything in life would tell you, you you shouldn't praise, look at your circumstances, and so you're stepping into this, this story, this family of people who are sitting to your right and to your left who over the past three years have made God priority in their lives. That's what you're inheriting. And, and, and so this, this message is, is sort of a part two to what we've been talking about last week because in order to give away an inheritance, you have to have one to give. For those of you who are here and you're like, Man, this, is, this church is so full of joy, and it seems like people are really excited about God. You know what we didn't do? We didn't say, hey, you should all get excited about God. 
There was personal sacrifice, there was personal surrender that led to the presence of God being hosted in such a way that he became accessible. And you are accessing him because people went before you. You're inheriting something. But how do you have a life that's worth inheriting? You gotta have one to give. I want you to see just how important the identity of a Christian actually is. This is from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one. And uh, the author is speaking of uh, the Father and of Jesus. He says, but in these last days, the Father, he has spoken to us by his Son, being Jesus, whom he appointed heir, everybody say heir, of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Okay, so pause, everybody look at me, don't keep reading, I know, I know what you guys do in church, when, when I'm talking, there's a slide up there, you read the slide, okay. What is Jesus inheriting? According to that, it's not a trick question. I mean, I won't. You won't get in trouble. What is he inheriting? He is appointed heir of all things. So think about that, because this next passage is just mind blowing. Those who are in Christ become children of God, and here's what Paul says about them in Romans chapter eight. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Everybody say heirs. Heirs of God, and get this co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So like, I want you to like, think about the argument that is being created in the New Testament. Jesus is the heir of all things. We're all in agreement. We are co-heirs with Christ. We're all in agreement. What are we inheriting? All things. <laughs> now, Maybe you read that and you're like, okay, like I, un- okay, I could see that in the, in the text, but in my life, there's a gap. <laughs> Did any of you come tonight and you're like, I feel like I've inherited all things. My life is incredible. <laughs> Maybe some of you, that's awesome. Um, why doesn't it feel like we've inherited all things alongside Christ at times? There's a little bit of a catch here. I want you to imagine this. Here's kind of like a little bit of a, um, of a metaphor, if you will. Imagine that you had um, a family member who tragically passes away and they leave you a million dollars in the bank. That would probably change most of your life. Some of you, maybe it wouldn't change your life, but some, most of you, that would change your life. But it would only change your life if you knew about it. If you didn't know about it, it wouldn't change your life. It would also only change your life if you had the password to the bank account. It would also only change your life if you actually then went down to the bank and you made a withdrawal. See, there is a very real spiritual inheritance that we all have access to. It's all things. But what those who come after us, the next generation, what they will also inherit are our limitations on what we believed that inheritance meant and on how much of that inheritance is really for us today. See, the kingdom runs along the lines of belief. Jesus was asked once, what's the work of God? And I think many of us, if we were asked that question, even today we would say, the work of God, it's probably serving the poor. Or maybe the work of God, it's like doing really intense Bible studies. (laughs) Or the work of God is being kind to our neighbors or something, maybe self service, sacrifice, that sort of a thing. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus is asked, what is the work of God? And he says, it is to believe him. You're like, is that work? Yes, it is, when the serpent is speaking in your ear. 
There are so many Christians who do not have much to give away because they didn't believe they inherited all that much to begin with. They're like co-heirs with Christ. That's probably for someday. Jesus said the kingdom's at hand. There are believers who have not made a withdrawal because they didn't believe they could ask. And Jesus addressed this. He says, you have not because you ask not. What Andoni just said, we're gonna ask for amazing, incredible, unbelievable things. Why? Well, because I'm a co-heir with Christ. It's an identity statement. So you have to understand as we begin this evening that what you believe, you become, and what you become, that is what you actually have to give away. So who are you becoming because of what you believe? For those who will come after us here in the Willamette Valley, here in Newburgh, their inheritance will be related to what our belief in God produced in our lives. What did we contend for? What did we believe was possible? And I really want to put the focus on two things that I think our belief produces uh, tonight. That's the revelation that we carry and the breakthrough that we have walked in. If you're a note takers, get your notes out, take notes. The revelation that we uh, have carried throughout life and the breakthrough that we have walked in. What, what do I mean about this? Revelation, what do I mean? Maybe you're thinking, revelation? What is this guy talking about? The book revelation? No. There are several kinds of revelation. There's general revelation. Many of you guys have probably heard of general revelation. What is it? General revelation is God's character revealed in creation, Okay? It's, the, the scriptures speak of this all the time. The earth praises God. The earth declares God's glory. Different things. You walk outside and you're like, that's a, right now, I guarantee you it's happening. There's a beautiful sunset that's happening. And it all speaks to the greatness of a designer, of God. Now, it's enough to know that there is a God, but it's not enough to know his name. That's general revelation. There's a big debate. Okay, so if you only have general revelation, can you be saved? It's debatable, okay? The point is this, that's one kind of revelation. The other kind of revelation is special revelation or specific revelation, and that's this. It's the text. It's scripture. It is God stepping in to history definitively, and it becomes our authority. It teaches us the specific way we were designed beyond naturalism. You can discover the way that the world works naturally, but you won't discover the intentions of God all completely that way. We need God stepping into history to where Moses says, well, what's your name? And he says, here's my character. It changes everything. Who you believe God is, that's what you're gonna become. There's also a third kind of revelation, and this is the kind of revelation that I, I am specifically concerned with in a family like this. And, and, and that is what I like to call little r revelation, okay? Before anybody freaks out, sends me emails. Little r, get that? It's little, it's the little r. It's not a capital R. You're gonna get where I'm going. Um, what is that? Little r revelation is insight and new truth about a scripture, about life. It's fresh wisdom about God's character. And I'm not making this up. It's straight out of the text. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. So get this. There are secret things that, that God knows and that when he chooses to reveal them to humans at different points and times in history, they help the people of God follow him more fully. 
So what, what, what is this? What, what are these things, and how, how do I hear these things, right? That, that's, our, that's our question. Well, Paul wanted the same thing for the church today. In fact, here's what he prays for in Ephesus. This is in Ephesians chapter one. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So there is a spirit, I mean, it's in the text. There is a spirit of revelation that gives insights into the character of God, and when we get those insights, it draws us closer to him. We trust him more when we understand who he is. Jesus actually said that he would do this. He says, if you do what I command, I'll call you my friend, and everything my father has told me, I will tell you because you are my friend. It's revelation. Like, like, have you ever been in a room with somebody who's very uh, full of the Holy Spirit, very wise, and they seem to have information, they seem to have access to a different perspective about an issue, about a topic, that you're like, where did you get that? Where did that come from? What are you talking about? I remember um, this happened years ago, it was probably 2013, 2012, I was sitting in a staff meeting at the church that I was working at. And there, were these, there was this big issue in the church. I can't even remember what it was, but there was this big issue that had come up. And the whole staff was together discussing what to do about this issue. But we also had this guy, Chris Veenan. Some of you guys know who Chris Veenan is. He's this crazy South African church planner. He was in the staff meeting because he had been speaking uh, that previous Sunday. And he's sitting there. And every, I mean, it was hours. It was like two hours of just hemming and hawing about this particular issue. And well, maybe if we did this, and that would make sense. And what would people think if we did that? Maybe we should actually let's change the language here. And at the very end of the meeting, two hours had gone by, uh, John Mark goes, Chris, what do you think? And Chris said, I think three things. The Holy Spirit is saying this, this, and this. Everything that we had done in those two hours, out the window, that's the right thing. Those are the right, that's exactly it. That's totally the gospel. That's the mind of Christ for this community right here. We need to heed that. It's little r, revelation. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter two. Here's what he says when, he, when he's talking about this little r, revelation. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. That's a good thing to remember. no. We declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. Everybody say that, for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So I want to break this down because this is such an important passage. Paul is not concerned with naturalistic wisdom. He's not concerned with like the wisdom that says, don't put your finger into a light socket. You will quickly learn you shouldn't do that. Okay, natural wisdom, I don't put my finger in light sockets. This This is something that my daughter will one day figure out. Okay, Anybody can access naturalistic wisdom through trial and error. It's very simple. What Paul is concerned with is what's called heavenly wisdom. Now, notice this. This heavenly wisdom that he speaks about, 
that Christians apparently have access to has been hidden. But why has this heavenly wisdom been hidden? What does it say? It says, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery, so not everybody has access to this, that has been hidden and that God destined, what? For our glory. So, so get this, God's wisdom, when we reveal it, when we do what Chris did in that meeting, one of its purposes is to not only enlighten the people of God's mind for a particular matter, but its purpose is to glorify you. <laughs> it's impressive. It gives life. It instills hope to those who do not yet know God who are around you. You are designed, it's like, sometimes we have it in our minds that, the, that if, we, if we can just like have no glory, we're nothing, don't look at us, just look at him. It's like, how are people who don't know him supposed to see him? They're supposed to see him through you. So do you have the revelation of God coursing through your veins? Are you hearing what he's saying to you? Now, what is the shape of this wisdom? Because this is a wisdom that we, uh, we uh, declare How do we recognize it? Well, look at the last line. What are things revealed by the Spirit? What does it say? However, as it is written, it's what no eye has seen, it's what no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived. These are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Here is the difference between earthly, anyone can access it wisdom, and the heavenly mind of Christ wisdom. If it doesn't inspire hope, it isn't wise. If it doesn't inspire hope in God, it's not wisdom. Because what is his wisdom? It's what no mind has ever thought of. It's what nobody's ever imagined. Nobody's ever seen all the good that God intends to do. That's the character of the kind of things that he wants to reveal through your life. So what is the nature of revelation? It's primarily insight into the unbelievable goodness of God that no one has imagined, heard of, or seen before. I remember, uh, this is about a year and a half ago, we had Chris Cruz. Some of you guys were here when he came and he spoke. And um, he's a leader down at a church in Northern California. And he came up here and he shared with us and just completely rocked our worlds. Um, but we got to spend some time with him and he uh, just had conversation with our staff and kind of got to know me, myself and got to know Jake and it was a really, really amazing time. But I will, I'll never forget, I have it written down and it's just like imprinted in my mind and my heart. Uh, I'll never forget this little bit of revelation that he gave me. We we're talking about the act of, of preaching, what I'm doing right now. And, uh, and we were just talking about like, what is it to communicate to a family? And, and it's something that he does all the time. It's something that I do frequently. And he said this to me and it has forever shaped me and forever shaped our church. He said, teachers speak to convince, but fathers speak to connect. Teachers speak to convince. Like I'm up here trying to convince you of something, but a father speaks to connect, to lead to an encounter. And I remember just being like, Oh my gosh, of course. That's the unbelievable goodness of God and the love that he has for for humans. Of course that is how God would want his children taught because he himself is a father. Of course that's what he would want. Um, And it's super important, I want you to see this. It is very, very important that we all are regularly receiving revelation. This isn't just a little vitamin that you take like every now and then you're like, God, do you wanna say anything? This is something that we live by. The Bible doesn't say, my people perish for lack of miracles. It doesn't say that. 
It doesn't say my people perish for lack of money. It doesn't say that my people perish because of bad relationships or bad church leaders. It says this in Hosea, Verse, uh, chapter four, verse six, it says, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. And in Proverbs, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, without prophetic revelation, without hearing from God, the people are unrestrained, walking in circles and having no destiny. And it's the revelation that he gives us about himself that we then get to pass on to the next generation. So that whenever my little girl wants to come up and she wants to speak, I get to say, hey, you know what? Teachers speak to convince, but a mother speaks to connect. Make sure you do that. I get to pass it on. (laughs) The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. Isn't that good news? So what have you learned in friendship with him? Have you you heard from him? (laughs) If you haven't heard from him, Tonight, you're going to hear from him. I promise you that. We'll have some prayer time afterwards, and he's going to speak to you. It's powerful to hear from him. Secondly, our belief in what our inheritance is, all things. If I'm inheriting all things, then God, what do you have specifically? What's your heavenly wisdom for this situation? If I'm inheriting all things, then my inheritance will produce breakthrough that I get to hand on. Breakthrough that I get to hand on. Now, what is breakthrough? Maybe you've heard us mention this term. It is a Christianese term. Sorry, but it, just, it describes it perfectly, so just hang with me. Um, there are two ways that people change, broadly speaking. Process and breakthrough. Process and breakthrough. Uh, we're very familiar in evangelicalism with process because everything that we do not see a miraculous breakthrough for, we just chalk it up to, oh, it must be a process. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes we need to petition for more. But, but what, what happens is that as we go through life and as we bump up against life's difficulties and as we struggle relationally or we have difficulty emotionally or we, we work through trauma, we go through discipleship and we become more like Jesus over time by submitting ourselves to him and by saying no to the serpent's voice in our ear. There's really very little middle ground. It's either I'm listening to God's voice or I'm listening to the serpent's voice. And so the sooner we get the ability to discern that, the better. We tend to learn the correct lesson in the correct season and we don't have to learn it again. Okay. That's process. Breakthrough is a little bit different. Breakthrough is when something that could have taken an incredible amount of time, an incredible amount of work or effort happens in a moment. All of a sudden, everything changed. Something that could have taken seven years happens in seven minutes. Um, I, I just want to share, t- I, I got a bunch of testimonies in here. I want to share one. Um, there, there was a young gal, because this just so perfectly encapsulates um, breakthrough. There's a young gal here who a few weeks ago, uh, she came down for prayer. And when she was praying with the person that she's praying with, she, she told this person that she really didn't know God, even though she had told everybody that she did. But she knew in her heart, I haven't really been open to the Holy Spirit in the past. She comes for prayer, and here's what she said. This is, these are her words. She says, I started crying even more, and the person I was praying with consoled me, saying that it's okay. I responded with, but I shouldn't even be here. And she laughed again and said, this is exactly where you need to be. She guided me through the prayer to receive the Holy Spirit into my soul, and the most amazing thing happened. I took a deep breath in, and felt the most pure air fill not just my lungs, but my entire body. I felt so light. I closed my eyes and saw the most beautiful, bright white light. 
I felt God cradle my body in his arms and whisper to me, I love you, I love you. I looked at the lady I was praying with, and my countenance, she said, had completely changed. I was radiating because the Holy Spirit was in me. (laughs) Right after this, she went running outside. There were some of you eating hot dogs, and she's like, I just received the Holy Spirit. Everything's changed. All the tension, it's gone. It's amazing. And, and, and this can happen, not that, that, that's a salvation story, it's beautiful. It can also happen in character. I remember, you remember this, M. Uh, years ago, we were sitting with one of our mentors, and uh, my wife was struggling with this bit, with bitterness towards this specific individual that this mentor of ours knew. And uh, she had been expressing it and talking about it. And our, uh, I remember our, this, this gal that we were with, she just looked at Emily and she's like, stop it, forgive him. And just like that, you sh- she would tell you today, she has, never, she has not struggled with being bitter towards that person ever since that moment. It had been a deep, deep, deep thing, deep pain in a moment. I'll even, there'll be times where I'm like, I just can't believe that person. And she'll be like, she's like, no bitterness at all. She's like, well, I think you need to work through that. <laughs> okay, she got, she got breakthrough, I got process, whatever. Here's the, here's the point. We see examples of people passing to one another breakthrough in the scriptures. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, I want to be with you, Roman church, so that I can, here's the key word, impart something spiritual to you. What is that? It's like you're writing, that's the, the greatest letter of theology ever written. There's more? Yeah, he needs to be there in the flesh to impart something spiritual to you. Elisha, in the Old Testament, one of the prophets, he asks for a double anointing of his mentor's anointing, and he receives it. That's inheriting some breakthrough. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 6 says that people can inherit the consequences of sin from their parents. When parents sin, the children often feel the consequences in this life of that sin. But it also says that God causes his love to travel through generational lines as well. So, so it means like if you can leave sin for other people to inherit, you absolutely can leave blessing and breakthrough for them to inherit as well. One of my uh, mentors and favorite people in the world, Bill Johnson, he says this, it is the Lord's desire that the supernatural territory we occupy, the realms of life where we consistently demonstrate his authority, grow larger and more powerful as we pass it on to the next generation. You guys have to understand this, that the things that we get victory over in this family, in this life, in this church, become territory that we can break pieces off and give away through impartation prayers to the next generation and the people around us. It's very powerful. My wife has done this uh, for me multiple times. When I've been bitter, she's prayed for me, and it has, you know, it's like I get a little bit of her immunity for, for that time. It's revelation and breakthrough. This will be what your belief produces and what you get to pass along. So are you hearing from him? What is he revealing to you? As you read the text, what is he bringing to mind? What is he teaching you? Breakthrough. What have you walked through? What has happened in your life that you get to tell a testimony of God about? Now, there are three practical considerations when handing down an inheritance that I want to talk about. Three practical considerations. Uh, the, the first is this. I want to make sure that we hand down a shared heart over theological certainty. Uh, I, I scared like 90% of you. Hang on. <laughs> like, what? Uh, I want to make sure that we hand down a shared heart 
over theological certainty. I think it could be easy, and you see this happen very frequently in different denominations, to pass down a self-righteous smugness to the next generation. Like, hey, we're the people who are certain. We're the people of great faith. We were right. We have it all figured out. We read the text correctly. Everybody else doesn't read it quite like we do. And all the next generation has to do is memorize our positions. They don't have to know him. This would be a mistake. Uh, Martin Luther, one of my heroes, probably many of your heroes as well, in his age, there was a belief um, that by making a payment to the church that often went to go fund building, building projects, all the great cathedrals across Europe were funded through this program, that by making a payment to the Catholic church, your sins uh, would slowly, the punishment for your sins could be slowly eaten away. Um, the church was getting rich as people were more and more disconnected from God. And so Luther, he nails his 95 disagreements with the church to the door at Wittenberg in 1517. And shortly after, that unbelievable renewal begins to break out. Whole cities are transformed by the reformers. Ever heard of Geneva? It was like the first Christian city. And we, so, we owe, like as believers, we owe so much theological clarity to the reformers. Um, so much of what we understand justification to be and what we understand salvation to mean comes from this reforming time period. They're like, it's not indulgences. You don't have to pay for sin. It's all been paid for. They're like, really? Is that in the Bible? They're like, let us put it in your language and you can see for yourself. Powerful, powerful stuff. But here's what happens. Just like at the time the Roman church baptized people into their system, so did the reformers. They did infant baptism. So here's the question. Is it by faith and grace alone or is it by an act of your parents? The following generations after the reformers, then it was such amazing theology that they codified their system yet again and the result was reformed theology rather than a shared heart to continue the reforming and the renewing of theology. They're like, oh no, that's good enough right there. Just take that, memorize that. That's what we need. See, the danger is this, is to codify and formulate what the previous generation had accomplished instead of carrying their same heart that got them where they went. It's a big deal. So here's my encouragement to, to all of us, that our emphasis be relationship with God informed by the text as paramount before any theological system. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know about this guy. Here's what I mean, here's what I mean. Maybe we can find agreement here. Jesus didn't come to connect us to ideas about God. He came to connect us to God. Can we agree? Yes, okay. So that isn't to say that, they're, they're, that in the process of discipleship that we won't always be discovering where we've been deceived or where we've b believed incorrect doctrine or dogma, okay? That's part of the deal. You, you, like as, you, as you read the text, as you, as you align yourself with the creeds, you're like, this guy doesn't like the creeds. No, I literally gave a message about the creeds two weeks ago. Go back and listen to it. It's like, no, 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 doctrine, very, very important. That we have a correct understanding of God, very, very important. But it is secondary because it leads to him. It has to lead to him. Do you know him? Do you know him? The primary goal of the church isn't doctrinal preservation. That's the secondary goal. What I'm saying is that it would be a shame to pass down a theologically correct but dead Christianity. It would be a shame. That actually wouldn't be theologically correct. <laughs> 
The primary focus of Jesus was relationship. He, his whole mission was like, how do I reconcile lost sons and daughters back to their father? Like, Jesus gave people taste of the father as the correction to their incorrect doctrine. See, like, when we see incorrect doctrine, do you know what we do? We're like, how do I confront that in a logical manner? Look, I've, done, I've, I've spent much time doing this. What people need is an encounter. What people need is an encounter, and this is what he gave them. See, one way is to give the next generation an encounter with our values. We could even fall into temptation here with that. The other way is to give the, gen- the next generation an encounter with the one that our values are designed to lead to. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Uh, secondly, we need to embrace season. We need to embrace season. If we're to become something worth inheriting, we need to embrace season. Sometimes in charismatic circles like ours, we're not great at process. We want everything to be and suddenly. Just pray about it. Just see what happens. We have so much faith that God will break through in moments and change everything that we lean on that and we kind of despise season. You're like, no, there's no seasons. I want it all to be 100 all the time. I feel that. Um, but, but here's what I want to say. What we're developing when we go through difficulty is spiritual grit. It's like getting in a gym. It's the difficulty of going to a gym that's the point. It's the point. It's how we become the real deal, people of integrity, from making the choice of faithfulness in the midst of long and difficult seasons. So I don't know what season you find yourself in this evening. Uh, Maybe it's one of joy and victory. Maybe it's one of steadiness. Maybe it's one of life's great catastrophes. What produces virtue is staying and step with him, learning the lesson you need to learn so that it can be handed down later. You know what? I went through something like that. Let me tell you what he did. That's power. What I'm aiming at as a leader of this house is to leave a mental map of righteous family through testimony. That's what I'm aiming for, to leave a mental map of righteous family through testimony that we pass down, that we tell those kids that were up here today. All the breakthrough, all the revelation, all the seasons that we've gone, to, gone through, they write a story and a testimony that we get to hand down. And we get to give that culture uh, to those who will come after us. They get to stand on our shoulders. Uh, my mom did this super cute thing for our little girl for her first birthday. She made her her first book. This is Georgie's first book. And it's a, it's, it's a book of all uh, photos of people in her family. So it's like, it's like photos of us, and it's photos of my in-laws, and it's photos of her aunts and uncles and her cousin, and, and she's, she loves it. She'll sit in her car seat and just for like entire drives, just flip through her books, pointing at people, and just kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, this is that person, and she'll say their names and, and all of this. Like, what's happening there? She is getting a mental map of who she is and who she belongs to. I remember walking around my grandparents' house when I was a kid, and I would, like, go up in the hallway, and I'd see all the pictures of, like, you know, their kids when they were in high school in the 1970s and the crazy hairdos, and I'd, like, see them, like, on vacation in the 60s in Hawaii, and I'd see, like, what was I, what was I imbibing as a young, young boy? I was like, this, these are my people. Like, this is my family. Like, this is my, I'm creating a mental map of who we are and who I belong to, who I am. This is what our testimonies do. They create a mental map of belonging. This is what it means to be a part of this family, to remember when we contended for this thing and it happened. 
Do you remember when that person went through that incredible uh, heartbreaking season and what happened on the other side? Do you remember when that, I, I mean, I just, I've told testimonies. I remember when there was a gal who came, so one of the most amazing testimonies I've ever seen. She had hay fever, allergy. She was healed in a moment, hasn't had it since then. I remember there was one moment where there's a gal standing right here and we just were praying for people to be healed and she had this uh, really horrible jaw issue. In a moment, her jaw like clicked back into place. She looked like she'd seen a ghost, like, oh, what just happened to me? And, and the guy up here was like, you just got healed, didn't you? She had been totally healed. I, I just from this past week, here's testimonies from this past week. There was a demonized man who came to our gathering. He was delivered. There was somebody who was filled with the Holy Spirit Never, experiencing, never experienced the love of God before, felt it. There was uh, unbelievable forgiveness between enemies. Two people have reconciled this past week. Uh, there, are bit, there are people who are holding on to faith even right now when things have gotten really bad. And that's just what I know about this past week. See, we tell testimonies and we share our revelation because they create a mental map of the family of God that one has stepped into. So here's my question to you. What will you add what story will you add to what it means to belong to the family of God here in Newburgh? Your story could begin tonight. We're gonna pray. So stand up with me. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you wanna stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store or visit our website.